one of the biggest definitions. So this is a definition associated with Oxford. Is uh, another I, dictionary or an, now yes. from a professor? Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, Oxford Dictionary, and it is one of the many definitions. Is a friend is a contact associated with a social networking website, which is because you know on Facebook that kind of popularized oh, like all the wow adding the friends and things like that, and so. Do you but then we have like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this no, is because we don't have, nobody has 2000 actual friends. They are 500 or 200 or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I know we said we were going to bring anthropology and mm -hmm. uh, like the history of friendships is a topic we're coming back to. But just like as a brief point, when we were living in tribes, uh, I mean, cave people, the t tribes were like somewhere as far as I remember, it's like 115, 120 people in a group. Mm -hmm. We cannot relate to more people. We can't know more people than 115 mm -hmm. or 120 people, which to me is already a lot of people, but that would include your coworkers or right. you know, your neighbor or whomever where you don't necessarily have a super close friendship. That's called Dunbar's number. It's, it's usually around... And this is why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, the typical number of people that we can keep track of and consider part of our ongoing social network. Not like yeah. social media social network, but just like close interpersonal relationships. It's usually yeah. around 150. And it's... 150, uh, not 115. It, it range. I think that's like the max. That's the high end, okay. the low end. I think it goes from... I think they describe it in these ways. You, you have five close friends... 15 super family, 50 is what they call like a clan, but 150 would be considered your tribe. Um, I understand. And so they kind of go from weaker ties um, mm -hmm. on the higher end, but you have a more invested investment in the relationship, the closer the friendship circles go. So it's kind of like circles around circles, around circles, around circles, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But do you, do you consider like all of your Facebook or all your social media contacts as friends? No, <laughs> like not at all. <laughs> I mean, I think, no, I mean, there's people on there that I haven't talked to for years mm -hmm. and I follow their lives a little bit because you see things pop up now and then. But for me, maybe it's because I'm old man, but Facebook <laughs> or social media is in my life. My mm -hmm. friends are the ones that I talk to IRL, you know? Yeah. That sounded really, that was a really weird thing to say. Those are the people <laughs> that I meet face to face or yes. people like yourself that, I mean, we're not face to face because there is a small concept of the Atlantic Ocean in between us. Mm -hmm. But people whom, with whom I'm in contact and exchange, and like, you know, have real conversations and not just here's a photo of my birthday or... Oh, I saw they got a new car or a new puppy or whatever it is, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's hard too, because I think I, I love what social media has allowed us to do just as far as like connecting with more people and even finding connections with people who you otherwise never would have met. I had a season of life where I was right. Like social media was newer and it was kind of like, how I spent a lot of my time, but it was also the way I connected with a lot of people who were like-minded like me and yeah. who shared interests in the same 
shows, same movies, even just same subcultures. I, I got really into the cosplaying local convention community largely because we were having conversations online and then meeting in person at these different conventions. And that's kind of how those friendships were able to be maintained. And and then we met up in person and had like those hangouts. And like we didn't, we weren't part of everybody's every single day life, but social media allowed us to connect. Something that I've noticed though, is a lot of the times, especially with the pandemic shutdown, is that so many of my online relationships, or no, it's a lot of my in-person relationships that I didn't have some kind of social or online connection with started to like fade away or even shift. But then any of my online relationships were able to stay maintained, which I thought was really fascinating. Cause like, I didn't realize that like, you actually have like in-person friends. Like there are some friends that like, I think I have like a handful of friends who our primary way of communicating is online. And I guess I consider like phone calls online technically. Whatever is not face-to-face. Right. And those relationships, like they didn't really change hardly at all. But anyone who I did communicate with in person primarily, like we didn't make up that time by having online calls or anything. Like I think we might have like talked virtually, like Mm -hmm. maybe a handful of times, but like it just didn't happen. So I think it's so I think it's interesting. So this is my kind of a stream of consciousness thought about like how social media, I think, is good with helping us to maintain friendships. But it's also sometimes like if it becomes the destination, then like it feels like those friendships either stay online and never make the in-person transition or are staying in person, but don't make the transition online. I just find that fascinating. Very. Because I think... What you describe now is the most beautiful part of social media, creating Mm. and finding communities where you fit in when you don't necessarily have that in, you know, the school that you go to or the in your local community or whatever. I think that's absolutely wonderful. However, I also think that social media shows us so much of what we already want. Mm. And it's creating silos where it's getting very difficult to have empathy for or like empathize with people or even just like basically as, you know, as basic as respect or understand that people come from a different point of view or have a different opinion on something. And I think that when it's not all online, but when you meet people in person, you may disagree a lot, for example, in terms of politics or in terms of dietary choice, whatever it is, you know? Oh, yeah. But when you're in front of a person, you're still going to be, for the most part, civil. And you can actually maybe have a conversation and you can listen and you can see, okay, so even though they think differently, they can still be a good person, even if we disagree on some fundamental things. But I think with social media and everybody hiding behind a screen, you know, we see a lot of the ugly side because then the filter of like common decency kind of doesn't apply, I guess. Oh, yeah. Which I don't think is fantastic. And then I also think there's an element of, I don't know about in the US, but in Denmark, there has never been as many 
young people. So I think this is people under 25, maybe 30, I don't know, but young people anyways. There've never been so many young people with anxiety and depression and burnout and stress. And I think part of it is also because it's this constant pressure to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're only comparing yourself to other people's curated lives, right? And I mean, there's so many filters in modification tools to make yourself look so everything always looks like it's perfect and then when you're having a really terrible day then you can't you you compare that to whatever in quotes perfection you see on social media right and in that sense i think you start feeling more isolated and less or like more alone and less connected to other people yeah especially as someone who loves playing the comparison game, I will see people post like pictures of themselves hanging out. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been like completely content with my life and super chill, like hanging out at home. And then I see a group of my friends hanging out without me. I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't get that hangout invite. I, why was this, I not invited? Why was I not invited? And then my evening is ruined because I feel exactly. like I'm like, no. Uh, and also we there is that phenomenon. I forget what it's called, but there's this phenomenon where people who talked to customer service departments online or over the phone, whenever people would make phone calls, like people would get way more angry and upset with a problem over the phone versus being in person with someone just because there is because they aren't connecting to these people like face to face they (laughs) there's just like a level of you kind of lose like a level of humanity because you're just thinking oh well this is just like they, they feel like they're yelling at like the company or like this idea of like this this even just the customer service person being the person who just has to field the request, like they start using language like you did this to me or like yeah. you like they're talking to the other person as if they are the the person who is at fault and not just a hu- another human being. Yeah, you're like being us. held responsible for right. everything that went wrong in that person's day, day or week or life or mm-hmm. whatever. Have, have you ever worked in retail? I have not. I've... Most of my work is in uh, with childcare nice. prior to working in my industry. I did four years in retail while I was studying. Okay, yeah. So like a grocery store. Most people are nice. The vast majority of people are nice. But I have also been yelled at in the most obnoxious ways. Hmm. Because somebody was having a miserable day for the most part, also a miserable life, hmm. judging from, you know, oh, yeah. the state of affairs. And because you see, I mean, people tend to go to the same grocery store several times. So if you're nasty to people, they remember you. Mm-hmm. So I know. And it's really interesting because you also know that if you yell at somebody in a grocery store, what are they going to do? They can't run away. Mm-hmm. They can't like, talk back to you because then all of a sudden they represent the whole chain. Right. So the only option is either to just wait for you to finish and then give you the service you needed and then, you know, wish you a good day and move on. Or you can, which I've also done some days when I felt more like when I felt threatened or when I had a bad day or was just fed up. So some days it's more like 
you know, okay, it's fine. I understand. I can, I can handle this because I know it's not about me really. Mm-hmm. And then other days I will just, I would just call the security guard or press the button and be like, I mean, there was this one man who kept yelling at me and in a very like threatening manner. And I asked him like, are you going to stop or do I need to call the guard or press the button for the police to come? Mm. And he was like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And so I picked up the phone and I called the guard. And then as soon as the security guard was on his way, like he ran out of the store. But it's just, you you can't really walk away. So just because it's in person, it doesn't mean that everybody is, you know, nice. Right. But I'm really glad I was not on the receiving phone, like end of a phone call from people that were in that state of mind. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that does speak to a lot because it's, yeah, in-person relationships don't necessarily guarantee that those interactions are going to go more positively, but it does, it feels like it feels it a little bit less or it makes it happen a little bit less. Because, yeah, I, like you mentioned, like with disagreements, because like I know, like I used to think like a version of friendship was like kind of more or less just agreeing about everything or even never having disagreements. And like, I used to really fear any kind of disagreement with a lot of my relationships still kind of do, but it, yeah, those are difficult or can be difficult depending on. It definitely depends on the friend. Every relationship that you have is kind of a shared space. Yeah. It's I'll give a random anecdote. I remember mm-hmm. When I first had my roommates, like I, I used to be, I mean, still kind of am, but I used to be way more messier in my personal living space. Like whenever I was living on my own, but whenever I had roommates, we agreed that our common space would stay clean. Like our rooms could be like as dirty as we wanted them to be, but like our common living space, like we would kind of kept that as like a contract with each, like a verbal contract with each other. Like. We will take care of our dishes. We will do this because it's a shared space. And, you know, if we had people over, like we wanted there to be space and we wanted it to be like a hospitable place. And it's hard to kind of have that same contract with friendships. But like, it also feels like we're also having that contract of like, and we're not going to make each other feel too uncomfortable. But I also feel like sometimes that means that people aren't really being honest when sometimes honesty needs to be there. I think it's so difficult with I mean, every time there's a point of where I'm like, I disagree with a friend on something. I mean, if it's just a disagreement on like whatever inconsequential stuff, it's either like, I don't care. I'm not going to mention it. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, you know, if we, I have friends where we disagree tremendously around politics, for example, but it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter because we can talk about it and challenge each other, but we know we're not going to, it doesn't, change the way we feel about like the friendship and the values that we share. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, for me, it's when it's something that kind of questions the core of the friendship or the state of the friendship. That's really difficult for me to handle. And I think that's something we need to talk about, like fights in friendships or like disagreements in friendships and like friendship breakups and blah, blah, all of this. Mm-hmm. I think that's an episode for of in and of itself. Previously, we were talking about, you know, how social media helped you stay in touch with a lot of your community through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think it did for me as well. However, I live alone. Like I live by myself. And 
sometimes there would be months. I mean, it, this sounds really horrible, but this was just part of life. But there would be months in between somebody hugged me or like mm. I had a, like I it was so hard and it was so difficult to deal with that first wave of the pandemic, which is why I adopted two kittens as soon as we could, because then there was another living being that depended on me and depended on that closeness and that they would come, you know, sleep on me or by me so that it wasn't just, you know, there was a physical part of it. Like the really, I know it's not, you don't have a friendship with your pets, but still like, I think part of a friendship is also there's a physical element, not in like an intimacy kind of aspect, but just, being comfortable with someone. And I think for me, it's also, I like to hug my friends mm-hmm. or to not in a perverted way, but to touch my friends. Like if I'm close with someone, I like to be physically close with them also. Yeah. And that is not possible through so me or through, I mean, it's not possible with online friendships. Right. But I think it's also something I was not aware of prior to the pandemic. I'm not sure it's coming back either. It's like, it's not as acceptable to be hugging people all the time. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. I'm curious yeah. to see how that's changing, if that is changing any of my friendships. 